Uh, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, February 22nd. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the latest from the legislature, paying off former Mayor Mark Stodola, and the state's new exit, so-called exit criteria for the Little Rock School District. <laughs> Returning to local control, I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Oh. Stifling yawns over there. We're going to have a high-energy show, okay. I can tell. All right. So the governor's highway plan sailed through the Senate. No huge surprise there. No, the big parts of it. I mean, there'll be a separate bill for putting on the ballot an extension of the half-cent sales tax that goes to highways, and but making it permanent. But this was uh, a brand new uh, fuel tax, a sales tax at the wholesale price. It'll work out to three cents a gallon for gas, six cents for diesel. There's uh, <clears throat> going to divert casino tax revenue, which doesn't really exist anymore. So it'll come out of general revenues, the highways, and they're going to take a couple of million dollars out of people who are trying to be good citizens and drive electric and hybrid cars. They even got some Democrats to vote for it. It, it passed by just the minimum 27 votes needed, 75% of the vote, but uh, big win for the governor. I mean, there just there seems to be a belief in the legislature that you just got to have a highway plan. I heard Terry Rice talking about the, the highway bill, uh, the senator from Waldron on KUAR, and, and particularly about the electric car piece of it that we've talked about uh, previously. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I know they're lighter, but they're still wearing down the road just like other cars. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're not much. I mean, the, the real damage the road is done by trucks, not, not even by other passenger cars. I mean, the studies show that 400 cars create uh, the same road pressure as one truck. So, But in, in, in any event, I, I mean, it's a small amount of money. It's just really kind of the symbolism of the thing to me is – is Arkansas is just going to not be on the cutting edge. And it's one thing to say, okay, let's have a fee on an electric car. That's that's fine. But it's eight times what the, the fee is on a regular car. It's for a car that invariably is used for inner city transit, doesn't run up many miles. It's a light car. And uh, we've set a rate that's the highest in the country. Why? I mean, just because they can. I mean, they and they, but these are the same people that keep wanting burning coal in their power plants. That's just it's just Arkansas. Well, let's let's talk about a few uh, good bills from Republicans that were introduced this week, or interesting ones at least. Uh, Republican Representative Dan Douglas introduced a bill to help the terminally ill end their lives. Right there, uh, there's laws like these in at least six other states in the District of Columbia. He calls it death with dignity laws. It's I think it's assisted suicide by another name. However, it wouldn't allow a doctor to assist directly in a suicide, but it would allow a doctor to prescribe drugs for somebody who intentionally was setting out to take an overdose to end their life. They'd have to be terminally ill. They'd have to make an oral request twice. They'd have to make a, a written request that was wit- witnessed by others, other people. There's a long chain of, of uh, things that would have to be done. Realistically, I, I, I have a hard time believing this legislation will go anywhere this session. But it's a subject that's great, getting great attention around the world. I mean, there are other countries that have strictly assisted suicide, have straight euthanasia clinics, and uh, I don't think we're near that in the United States. But... But people are, are not interested in prolonging a life that has become intolerable. And uh, there are ways to uh, have it end and, and do so with, uh, with 
pure intellectual cognizance. And so Dan Douglas, who's apparently had some personal exposure to difficult situations, both with this and when he spoke against the uh, the abortion ban, uh, it kind of an, it has broached an interesting topic already. The uh, the right to life so-called groups have, have stood up and said they'll oppose it, which is to be expected. But in, in, in any event, I, I think it's uh, it's a good topic to talk about. Another Republican legislator, uh, Republican Jimmy Gazzo, Representative Jimmy Gazaway, uh, introduced legislation uh, encouraging a look at the cost, both financial and in harm to inmates, uh, from the use of solitary confinement or segregation in prison. Well, and good for Jimmy Gazaway, who is already a, a hero this session for sponsoring the landlord-tenant le- legislation that might give tenants some rights for the first time, although they'll have to beat the real estate lobby, so it'll be hard. But I was kind of surprised, but I gathered that doing something about solitary confinement is part of this somewhat progressive justice reform agenda that, of all people, the Koch billionaires are financing uh, big conservative forces not known for being being forces of good by and large. But somewhat on the right side of justice reform, you could say part of it is to reduce costs because the cost of the prison system have gotten out of hand. In fact, solitary confinement is a lot more expensive than housing somebody in the general population. And it was interesting. I thought that his legislation meant mentioned cost first because that's always a winner in Arkansas. But there was a great deal of discussion in the bill about the well-known impact of, of solitary confinement or administrative segregation. It literally drives people crazy. It's punishment, un, cruel and unusual punishment to lock people up without contact. 24 hours a day for days on end and and so he only right he's only asking for us to do some compilation on suicide rates on mental health treatment that's been provided and and what's been the result of our of our practice of our growing use of of uh, solitary and gee that just seems like a a breath of of sun a, a ray of sunshine at the arkansas legislature now there's another bill filed i forget by who uh maybe rebecca petty that had a, a strange uh, collection of folks endorsing it, uh, including Americans for Prosperity, which is a Coke group, and Decarcerate, which is uh, you oh know, a right do gooder. This was uh, it, it was shackling on women in, on pregnant inmates. Well, there's that one, but this one was uh, it would uh, clean oh, records. clean your record quicker, right? And so that you would not have to admit you had a criminal record. This seems to be a so that you wouldn't carry a stigma for stigma forever for a for a single mistake or something. No, that seems a step in the right direction. As does unless I'm missing something. Although you can still continue to practice under certain circumstances. Perhaps legislation that Rebecca Petty has proposed that that would lessen the possibility that pregnant inmates in labor would be shackled while they're in labor. But so that maybe this has been something the correction department has resisted for years under the theory that they can be dangerous or escape. And uh, although they haven't had much showing of that, prison people like to run things the way they've always run them. But we do want to mention Rebecca Petty does want to make sure that there is no fancy last meal for condemned inmates. Anything else we need to talk about the legislature? It's all bad. Okay, okay. except for those things that we just mentioned. <laughs> except for those things. So the Little Rock City Board decided this week to make former Mayor Mark Stuttle's accrued vacation pay controversy go away by paying him $160,000, 
which was about $30,000 less than he was asking. Yeah, B- BFD, I mean, you know, so he gave a little back. You know, I don't know. I guess city attorney Tom Carpenter rolled over to the Stodalist theory that he had to be treated similarly to the city manager who has an employment contract and that includes the ability to accrue unused time off. But, you know, the mayor doesn't have an employment contract. I mean, there is this law that says he has to be paid commensurate to the city manager, although they've, I'm not surprised he hadn't gone back and tried to reclaim the fact that Bruce Moore made $30,000 a year more than he did. This is just unconscionable. He's the only elected official in Arkansas that's ever made a claim like this, as best I can determine. It's nuts. We shouldn't do it for him, but they've decided to get it out of the way and do it for him. To avoid a lawsuit? I don't, who knows? No. I, well, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I think just to, just to clear the decks of it, and it's it's just – it's crazy. I mean, it's more money than other city employees would ever get, even those who are entitled to some back pay. But I just hope, and as yet nobody stepped forward to say it, that we could agree not to ever do this again, that the mayor is paid what the mayor is paid. And, and the mayor, you know, politicians always like to say, I'm working all the time, especially when they're getting people to pay for their meals. And so they say, well, you know, I'm always working. Well, okay, fine. You know, you're always working, and so what your pay is is what your pay is. You're not, you know, punching a time clock. But that happened. I, I don't know. And the vote was 7-2 to two with Joe Natcock and B.J. Wyatt voting against, and I think Lance Hines was a little late and came after the vote. Right. No, I, I, I don't necessarily think there was broad support for it, but I just think they decided to stop fighting the fight. Okay. Uh the Arkansas Democrat Gazette reported uh, about a week ago on Saturday that the state education department um, had, well, this is one topic that I didn't mention, but we'll talk about first, has been providing woefully inadequate help for students with dyslexia. Right. Uh, and and apparently that's just so. I mean, apparently they're not uh... – doing a good job of using programs that are available for dyslexia. Not exactly exactly clear why uh, this this has occurred, although, you know, there, there, there do seem to be some differences of opinion among educators about the best approaches. There are different sciences of reading and what have you. Part of it is, I, I know one teacher said, we want to help, but we need to get training. We need to have people who do it. Uh I noticed in the coverage of that issue, they said that after the state education department hired an expert about a year ago, that there'd been some improvement. And my point on this is, is it's been interesting about where the fingers of blame are being pointed, that somehow it's the bad old Little Rock School District's fault and not the fault of its school board, Johnny Key, who's been in charge for 49 months, or the state board of education has been in charge for 49 months or the community advisory board that Johnny Key appointed, or the, the superintendent that Johnny Key hired after firing Baker Curse. I mean, somehow it's they, they want to make this tribal thing that it's just a bad old Little Rock School District, and they deserve to be under state control because, see, they're so bad. But they've been under state control for four years, and what's the state done? I mean, they didn't do anything about dyslexia, apparently. Yeah. So this stems from this. this was the one thing, I think, from Diane Zook's laundry list of complaints and her efforts to kind of micromanage the district that the board 
approved. Right, and they did an audit and found some shortcomings in this. And, and, and I don't mean to excuse Little Rock, and it's the biggest district in the state, and so it has the most students affected, and, and it's a profound condition that, that apparently there you sometimes can make progress with, and we want to do all we can. But I suspect if you audited all the Arkansas school districts, you'd find a lot of them are falling down on the job on this. I mean, some of the dyslexia people who are at the advocacies in the support group have been saying that, well, Little Rock wouldn't be under state control if they just done right by dyslexia. Well, I, I think there are just a whole range of problems in the Little Rock School District beyond dyslexic students, but that's me. Okay, well, let's talk about the, the bigger news that I started to lead into, and uh, that is the criteria that the state has set for the LRSD exiting state control, which, as you say, began in January 2015. Uh, They've set this two months before what will be the critical test, and after four years of state control, which might tell you something about what's, what's going on here. Well, they basically said how how the schools do on the ACT Aspire test in two months will decide whether voters get their school district back. It's nuts. First of all, it's nuts to de- to determine whether a school or a school district is failing solely on the ACT Aspire test. Now, I know they say it'll be an improvement standard, but but I encourage anybody who can access the Arkansas blog to read the piece that Glenn Fenner of the Marion School District wrote about. It was really about a, a categorical aid programming for low-achieving schools, but it's also about the absolute fallacy of having a single standardized test score evaluate how well you're teaching students. The, the improve, even the improvement level is influenced by the fact of the of the circumstances of the kids, how poor they were, what kind of homes they came from, the problems they've had to surmount. And it's just not fair to judge them based on a single test. The The figures are overwhelming in the state. The, the blacker the district and the poorer the district, the lower the scores. And this, this system they set up to reward achievement in Arkansas is going overwhelmingly to school districts with plenty of kids who don't have income problems. This is nuts. I think the the path to failure is clear. Uh, I don't think Little Rock's going to ever get its schools back. Well, let's let's go through the criteria real quick. There's there's eight schools: Bale, Roman, Stevens, and Washington Elementaries, Cloverdale Middle, and J. A. Fair Hall and McClellan High Schools. So they must achieve, as you said, a growth score of 80 on the test over the previous year. Only Hall met that standard in 2018, and then the number of students judged close, ready, or exceed standard uh, standards on English and math uh, must exceed the number judged as needing support. And I think there was only one school, or no, it, none did in English in 2018 and four did in math, and that was uh, four elementaries. Well, realistically, that's just going to be a, a nearly impossible standard to meet, I, I think, and, and that's... Uh... You know, maybe. I, I don't know, but I, I doubt not. I mean, another thing that Glenn Finner's article pointed out is, you know, these are nearly all, not entirely, but mostly are middle and high schools. The older you get, the harder it is to improve 
children who start from behind. So you have an even harder prospect. I got a great letter today from a special ed teacher in Northwest Arkansas, now retired, so she has no personal interest in this, who talks also about how kids, they blow these tests off. They hate them. They don't try on them. They know their computer graded, and they just sort of click their computer done a lot of them. They just click the buttons. It's... uh, this is this is just nuts, but I mean, it doesn't. My saying it isn't going to change anything. Okay, well, let's leave. And it. so that really, the only question I think that lies ahead in the future is: Will they take over the entire district and farm it out to private operators, or will they only take over certain schools and farm them out to private operators? Okay, on that cheery note, let's move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? God, nothing. Okay, well, you think of something while I make mine. I'll do two. In, All right. In case you Maybe know. I'll think of something. Uh, so it, it's gotten a lot of internet chatter. Um, the uh, the Fire Festival was a... <laughs> um, I watched one of those. It, it was a, a music festival, a just colossal failure of a music festival that uh, was in, I believe, some Caribbean island. Um, it's supposed to be the ultimate luxury music festival and was just... A, utter catastrophe and and just every every aspect but it's got internet internet chatter because hulu and netflix both have documentaries about it i watched the one on netflix though i've heard the one on hulu is good and possibly better i may watch it but it is really fun and uh well done i thought um i mean it's basically just a story about a con man um and you know celebrity and the allure of of that but uh, it's it was kind of uh, Shaden Freud. I like I saw the one. I guess it was the HBO one that was not the sort of a authorized version. I guess they didn't pay the people. Oh, there there are two documentaries. There's a Hulu one and a Netflix one. Netflix is the one. I didn't watch the Hulu one. The Hulu okay. one I think kind of had more cooperation. Oh, really? From some of the some of the players. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, it just looked like a nightmare. <laughs> I just thought of sweating down there on those sodden mattresses and just. And then the other thing I thought, I, where they were all, they they did have some whiskey around, so people were just chugging whiskey. And I thought, chugging whiskey in the sun, no air conditioning, no food and water. Somebody was going to wake up really regretting that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, big time. I mean, they're they're lucky that worse didn't happen. I mean, that people didn't get seriously hurt or die. Anyway, that's on Netflix. Uh, another movie that is on a streaming platform that everybody uses, Amazon Prime, is uh, the band's uh, Last Waltz, which I've seen several times, but watched again because it was there. That's a, that's a good movie to just kind of sit back and... and uh, now, is that their last... It's the last concert. Scorsese the, the very thing. last concert, right? I've seen just a part of that. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you got... Uh, Levon Helm, I think, did not like the movie project and was really resenting Robbie Robertson at the time, and so he didn't participate as much as you'd like. But of course, he's on stage singing, uh, you know, all the the great songs. And uh, for the wait, they get the staple singers to wow. to sing, and and they're. I mean, it's. I think it was filmed in nineteen seventy six or so. So. Not quite prime, but still, everybody's pretty pretty young and with it. And Ronnie Hawkins, uh, you can see why he had a career for years in Canada. At least. No, they were good. I saw them with Dylan in 1973, I think. 
Wow. In Memphis, quite a show. Saw Bob Dylan at Nightlife Rocks on Asher and University. Wow. There were people dancing in cages. <laughs> That's kind of strange. It was weird. Okay, did you think of anything? I, I got I got nothing. Okay. I got I got I got nothing good. Next time you have to come with double. All right. Thanks for listening. Subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcast site. We'll be back with you.